0: You know, uh, a lot of crazy things going on for sure, and I decided to, to do two different messages on Sundays for sure on Israel, we'll see how many more we do, or if we stop right there next Sunday. Depends on how bad this gets and how ugly it is, uh, but I decided to do a Wednesday night message on a similar subject because I know uh, some of the things I want to say Sunday, I'm going to again try to just hurry through some things because I want to get them in. And I thought, there's one major section I want people to understand. And it was confirmed, you know, uh, for me when a sister had come up to me afterwards. Uh, Oh, thank you, Josh. Josh has given me sign languages that this thing's sticking out, I think. That's what you're saying, right, Josh? All right. Look better? Praise God. Usually that's my wife, you know. She's giving me new ones right now. She's giving me new ones. I got hers, too. I think I have hers down more because I'm married to her, Josh, but... You got me going on the right path, brother. (laughs) Uh, So it's crazy what's going on right now. And, And a question that needs to be answered that would take me more than a few minutes because it's a question that is affecting a lot of people's lives right now and how they view Israel and, frankly, how they view Jewish people. And many, many Christians, professing Christians, are saying God is done with Israel. Israel has no future in God's economy. The church has replaced Israel. What's happening right now, there has nothing to do with what God's doing, that God's done with the Jewish nation. And it's all over for them. Literally, millions of Christians have been taught that. And many leading teachers teach that. And at the end of the last message I I, I gave Sunday, a sister came up afterwards and she was saying to me, Man, I'm so glad you did this message. You know, I want to give this message to somebody. And she said, more and more I'm hearing Christians say, oh, God's all done with Israel. This has nothing to do with Bible prophecy or what's happening right now in Israel. Those are not really, you know, Jews in Israel right now. Those are, you know, that's not even the Jewish people really. So, and so forth. You hear that a lot, you know. I'm seeing some expressions right now people that have heard that, right? Yep. Seen some heads going up and down. Uh, that that's a, a view that's growing and I think is utterly refuted by the Bible. And so I prepared a message for next Sunday, almost done with it. And part of that message was going to be dealing with, you know, uh, <laughs> is God done with Israel? Part of it was going to be dealing with that, that subject matter. And I thought, you know what? That's going to be Something that's very important to deal with, but that's going to take me a significant amount of time when I really want to get into the prophetic pieces that are lining up right now. Uh, because I said the last message would talk about, you know, Israel and prophecy up until now, you know. And the next message will look at Israel in the future. Uh, but I want to answer that question, so I decided uh, to, and I was almost done <laughs> with the uh, message that I was going to prepare for tonight. Re- another message, totally different, in a... In a, in a 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. And then I just kept praying because I just felt, am I hearing from you, Lord, on this? And I kept praying and praying and praying. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks that I, that, you know, to deal with Israel and how God is not done with Israel as a nation. And we know that already prophetically when you look at the prophecies, right? But you have many people, and this is very, very dangerous, that they're anti-Semitic, so they read, and a lot of these folks, they don't want God to have a plan for the Jews. They don't want God to have a plan for Israel. They want to believe it's all about us now. It's about the church. Some people just don't like Jews. I'm not saying that everybody that believes that God's done with Israel is anti-Semitic in their heart and just wants to adopt that theology because they're anti-Israel. Some people have just been taught that. Some people are just ignoring a lot of scriptures. I lived in a household where my dad, and he was a great man, but he was anti-Semitic for much of my life. So when he had too much to drink... They were the people group that he had the most hatred for. Uh, you know He, he had, would make some derogatory statements about different people groups from time to time, but not very often. but when it came to the Jews and it came to Israel, there was something different, and something would come over him, this intense hatred. And usually it's when he was drunk enough, and it was very uncomfortable, being just a kid, you know, seven, eight, 10, 12. 14, 15 years old, different times in my life, it became, it was a known thing in our house that my dad was anti-Semitic, uh, come from a, you know, he's German, Schimmel, you know, he actually has more, you know, Norwegian and, and Danish, and actually when we looked at our thing, more, more Viking blood than actual German blood, it looks, it looks like, but had a lot, of, a lot of German in him, and Irish and English and so forth, So he's kind of mixed, but uh, he never, you know, every once in a while, he would just get red hot, and He would start yelling, and if you tried to defend Israel, maybe being a youngster, not being a Christian, not even really understanding the big picture, if you said something, he would get even hotter. and one day I asked him, I go, "Dad, you know, why are you so angry at Jews?" And I think he fell into some propaganda, like the protocols of, the protocols of Zion, which was not written by Jews to take over the world it's uh, been proven that it's not a document written by Jews to take over the world. It's, it's a propaganda piece. But he referenced that one time. And then he referenced the media, you know. Uh, everybody in the media, I'm like, hmm. You know, later I think, is Ted Turner Jewish, you know? Is, you know, CNN? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but anyway, God, Satan uses all kinds of people. from all, And, of course, he loves to use lapsed Christians, right? You look at some of the people that he uses are lapsed Christians because he loves to get mileage out of them. And he'll also try to get mileage out of any ethnic group. And why wouldn't he try to use Jews or anybody else? But he was painting with such a broad brush. And he said, because whenever I try to climb the ladder in success through my years, there's a Jew stamping on my my hands. And I'm like, I had no idea. It was like there's something personal that happened in his life. And it broke my heart to hear that. But I thought, well, what if it was somebody of another, you know, from another country or another religion or another ethnicity? Would you just paint all those a certain way? So after I became a Christian, and I ended up following this Jewish man named Jesus, you know, who's actually the God man, uh, my eyes were open. I began studying scripture and so forth. And then I started seeing God's plan for Israel. And I also realized that what seems so different about him when the, Jewish, when the Jewish nation came up, Israel, and Jewish people came up, is that it was spiritual because he looked totally different and something would come over him. I thought, wow, there is an an anti-Semitic spirit that's huge. And then I'd read in the scripture that one day the nations would surround Israel seeking her utter destruction, a time called Jacob's Trouble during the tribulation period. I began to understand and put the pieces together more. Then when my dad would bring it up and we'd have talks about that issue of Israel and so forth, uh, I'd be able to go to the scriptures. When he would say things like, well, how come Jews are this way, and how come Jews are that way? I would constantly say to him, you're stereotyping, Dad, you know, and you're just, you're painting everybody in this with the same broad brush. Uh, it's like that. With every ethnic group, there's good people, and there's bad people. Ultimately, we're all bad, I and mean, we need Jesus. Amen. But I mean, relative to other humans, there's good and bad people relative to other humans in, in every ethnic group, pretty much, and but then, when he say, Well, how come people, they get run out of every place they go to and so forth? And I try to explain to him the prophetic picture. But I also showed him in Ezekiel and other passages, I go, Dad, check this out. This doesn't mean that God is done with Israel, not that he even be, believed that God began with Israel at that point. It doesn't mean because many, of, many Jews, you know. Uh, or in a bad place spiritually or morally, that God's done with Israel. In fact, you know the Bible says that's exactly what would happen: is that Israel would be rejected around the nation, around the world, that they'd have no place to stay their feet. That they, it says in Ezekiel 34 through 39 and 40, that they'd be a curse and hissing wherever they went. Now, is taking the arrows out of his towel, out of his uh, out of his towel. I was Taking the arrows, you know, out of out of his armory. By saying, hey, Dad, well, actually, what you're saying, because I try to reason with him with the Scripture, right? But if the Scripture is written by Jews, almost every book of the Bible is written by Jews, right? He's got to get past the Jewish question, right? So I say, actually, Dad, you know, the Bible does say they'd actually be dispersed throughout the world after they rejected the Messiah. And it said they'd be a curse and a hissing wherever they go. So what you're talking about, you're kind of evidence that this book is right because you're doing exactly what it says people would do to the Jews, and that made him think. That's the few times they'd give him a stop on the Jewish issue. And Israel as a nation, he would stop and think about it. And I could tell what my dad was thinking. He was a, he's a bright guy, but he had some problems. And, and a lot of people have these same problems. And a lot of people that call themselves Christians. The irony is my dad, you know, it's a long story and I don't have time to get into it because I won't be able to get into a lot of scripture so I'm going to look at if I get too deep into it. But as he got older and he thought things through more, you know what he started saying to me? You know, Joe we might be part Jewish. (laughs) And that became like a constant refrain over and over again. And uh, that's because, you know, uh, the name Schimmel, we'd get calls once in a while, yeah, is this Rabbi Schimmel? Because Schimmel also was a a German name that a lot of Jews took, you know, uh, during World War II and after World War II and so forth. And uh, I've got that call. My dad's got those calls. And my dad has short curly hair, you know, dark curly hair. It's kind of interesting. And we would sometimes... uh, say that to him but playfully and uh and then he said well if I, if I find out I'm Jewish I'll have a bumper sticker that says Jews against Zionism you know and that that was you know and, he, and for him Zionism wasn't becoming a nation again for him Zionism was this 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 conspiracy to take over the world by Jews you know because of the protocols of Zion that I believe that somebody probably shared with him at work because I never saw him read anything like that but he had these st- strange ideas which as I began to grow my faith and started listening out what was going on in the world, I thought, this is a prevalent problem, and he's probably getting some of this stuff at work, and and so forth. So, uh, and one day, you know, when I was a little kid, I saw something in his drawer. You know, looking through mom and dad's drawer. You know, right by their bedside as a little kid, and it said identity. And then I read some of that later as I got older. And what is that about? You know, and it was about you know basically. It was, and he never promoted those things, but it was kind of a racist thing, you know, just like a kind of a, and he wasn't a white nationalist or anything like that, Uh, although he was old school in some ways, but he began to soften up, especially as he met believers from all different ethnicities from our fellowship. He began to love people from other ethnicities and so forth, and I think he began to love Jews more because he started claiming that we're part Jewish, (laughs) and I was like, And that was because if you look at where my family's from and near from Germany, France border and so forth, that's where a lot of those name changes took place. And it's a long story. And I don't know that I'm part Jewish at all. I know my genealogy shows me from those regions, but you can't always trace it all back. Uh, So I never made much of it, but I just, but I I love this fact that it softened his heart toward Jewish people. Because I've always said if people, if some people are so hateful and, and whatever ethnicity they are if they were born in another ethnicity they'd be hateful toward that other ethnicity if they just have a hateful heart i think that just how it works with character sometimes with people and uh so for the last several years of his life even before he started claiming that he was following turned to christ in the last year and a half or so of his life a couple years uh he had opened his heart up which was really beautiful but what i'm seeing right now and it's really wicked is that in the church there's a lot of anti-semitism there's a lot of professing Christians that are, are, you know, defend Hamas and Gaza. Maybe they won't say, oh, Hamas, the terrorists there. No, but they'll speak of Gaza as though it's, you know, as though God's done with Israel and God has no future for Israel, and they rejected the Messiah, and now the church is has replaced Israel. And we call that we call that replacement theology. And replacement theology holds a viewpoint. In many teachers hold this viewpoint that we are Israel, we're the new Israel. And Gentiles are now the Gentile believers made up of every ethnicity makes up the true Israel of God. And it's very, very serious because guess what? A lot of these guys that believe in replacement theology are post-millennial. They believe that the church is going to take over the earth to a great degree Israel's just an anom- Israel becoming a nation again, that's just an anomaly. That's just a weird coincidence, you know, see. That wasn't God-fulfilling prophetic scripture. And the church is going to take over the earth and bring dominion on the planet, and everything's going to get better, right? A lot of Post Mills teach that, that the end times you read about in the book of Revelation, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, Reve- uh, the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. All this is... Uh, First, 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. All of these are pretty much fulfilled to one degree or another. In fact, many of them hold, as we've talked about before, to preterism. You know? Uh, and you need to study theology. I had a, Jeff and I, we had a great talk on preterism. Uh, uh, I don't know, six months ago? I don't know how long ago. And, and Jeff's really studied up on that issue. And I was, blessed my heart because we had a really good talk. And, I, and he knew the issues and I was grateful. It's like, you need to understand because we're trying to help people understand God's word better. And the Bible does say in the book of Daniel that last day's knowledge, that people will go to and fro and knowledge will increase. And, what, and praise God, that's happening. Because going to and fro, that phrase is used elsewhere in the, in the Old Testament for going to and fro for truth. And I believe people are going to be going to and fro and knowledge of God's word because the context is end times there and the knowledge of scripture will increase because it says the wicked will not understand but the righteous will have insight. They will understand. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times, it says. So therefore they knew what to do. Amen. And those who missed Christ's first coming, Jesus rebuked them because he said, you could tell what kind of day it's going to be by looking at the weather, you know, but you cannot tell the signs of times. Of his first coming. He gave us signs in regard to his second coming. And as I mentioned to you last Sunday, Israel is God's prophetic clock, you see and the fig tree is a symbol of Israel. I went into some depth on that, how you look at the context of when Jesus refers to the fig tree budding, that, it's, that the end is getting near and the fig tree budded in 1948, on May 14th when Israel became a nation again, and Jesus had just cursed the fig tree just before he gives them that, and that was a picture of how Israel would, would reject the Messiah, they'd be judged, but God would not be done because that temple which he said every stone would be thrown down, he indicated that temple would be rebuilt because he said the abomination of desolation was, would stand the holy place, amen, so it would be rebuilt and Israel would be back in the land and and then when you see these things begin to come to pass, you know that the end is is getting closer, so 1948 May 14th was a significant event but guess what, everything I've just said to you oh, many predators will say oh, that's already happened it's already fulfilled, you know the Antichrist was already, you know already came, he was Nero, you know which is, I'm sorry I gotta be nice, but it's to, the it's nice thing I could be to say, that's ridiculous, to say the Antichrist was Nero. Because Nero committed suicide. Well, when the Romans, uh, you know, when the armies came in in 70 AD and, dis, and destroyed Jerusalem, that was Armageddon, that was the end. Many of them will say that. It's like, really? Nero, actually, Nero died a couple years before that. When the Antichrist is dead, it's at Armageddon, it's when Christ comes back, amen, and he destroys the beast, the beast, the false prophet, the Antichrist, the false prophet. Ar- Thrown alive in a lake of fire. Revelation chapter 19. Read it. Antichrist is destroyed at Christ's second coming. By the Spirit's mouth, the brightness of his coming. So none of this fits. So, but they don't want... You see, a lot of my pre-trib brethren, at least they believe in a coming tribulation. At least they believe there's a coming Antichrist, right? At least they believe there's a coming false prophet. At least they believe there's, to one degree or another, a coming fallen away. They just happen to believe that they're going to be snatched out of here before it all goes down. And that's dangerous. But at least they believe it's coming. And hopefully you can shake them and say, hey, we didn't get raptured, okay? No, you can't take the mark of the beast. Well, that can't be the mark of the beast because I've been raptured. No, that's because the rapture is post-trib. That is the antichrist. Don't take the mark. And you can hopefully talk a lot of men into coming to their senses at that point in regard to the tribulation. But the preterists, they don't even believe this stuff's going to come. There's no future antichrist It's going to give out the mark of the beast. Israel, what's going on now? That's not prophecy. They're not looking at the very things that Jesus said to look for because there's no signs of times. In fact, a lot of preterists believe that Satan's already been bound You know, right now. We're in the millennium. Or he's already been thrown like a lake of fire. There's no spiritual warfare for them. I shared with you guys a gal and her family who became preterists who were in this fellowship for some time and I went over to their house with Lisa and I don't have time to get in the, it, it too deep because I shared it not too long ago with some folks but I, I'll say this much is I, I, we went to their house, I'd been there once before and I said hey, there's no way these things have already happened and I went to Zechariah 12 and she said you know what, you know they're preterists, they believe that you know, we're in the new heaven the new earth right now and one of them was crying as they're trying to explain it. I'm saying, no, I'm showing Zechariah 12. This hasn't happened yet. And one of them's crying. I'm going to go, look, in the new heaven, there'll be no more tears. I love you, but you're crying right now. We're not in the new heaven, the new earth, you know. And I pleaded with them to understand that. But I noticed that on the picture that they had up above the uh, table, because we were sitting, we had dinner with them. We spent, I don't know, three or four hours or at least that I did with them. I noticed that there was a little tiny couple verses which did not fit the frame. The frame was way too big for two little tiny verses. And it looked really odd. And I'm not... Don't call me over to decorate your house, okay? I'm not about that. But I just noticed, and I don't think I'm judging your pictures when I'm sitting eating dinner with you sometime. It just seemed odd. And then I realized, that's right. There was another scripture there. And I remember what scripture it was. And it's because of their theology changing, they took that scripture down. So as we were leaving... And we're standing there, getting ready to walk out the front door. I pointed to the kitchen. I said, I noticed that you put a different scripture up. And I know why you took the other one down. Because you know what the other one was? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. They may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, do everything to stand. Amen. And and it goes on to enumerate the different pieces of armor. I go, you believe that you don't have to put the armor of God on because you believe Satan has already been thrown in the lake of fire. And Satan has, through false doctrine, through preterism, stripped you of your armor. And I warned her that her family could be destroyed because she's been stripped of her armor. And my heart broke for them. I still pray for them. When they were walking with the Lord, beautiful family, bless my heart. Really beautiful family. Then you get into false doctrine. Wrong doctrine, we always say, leads to wrong living. Subsequent to that time, the family's been decimated, you know, without me going into the details. The marriage isn't there anymore and everything else. I'm not saying names. I'm just giving you an example. And uh, kids, from what I've heard from people, aren't anywhere close to following Jesus. In fact, the opposite, you know. And my heart breaks. Maybe one still following in some way. I haven't heard that. I hope so. But it did not take long either. Because wrong doctrine leads to wrong living. you're not. If, you're, if you've got an enemy and the Bible says you need to resist him steadfast in the faith, amen, he comes like a roaring lion and resist him so you're not devoured, right? And also you don't believe you're fighting him anymore. Man, can you imagine going to an army and then you're not equipped to fight? And then you're just going to be just mowed down with machine guns. And that's what happens spiritually when you don't put the armor of God on. And if you don't look at the prophetic scriptures, it says the sons of Issachar knew what to do. Because they understood the times. We need to understand what time it is spiritually. It's imperative that we get it. And by the way, what an incredible opportunity we have to witness right now by using the prophecies. Remember, it's God himself that says, I declare the end from the beginning. It's God himself that says, he speaks concerning his ancient nation Israel. It's God himself that says, he uses his prophecies as a trophy to prove he's the one true God. Amen? So we need to use the prophetic witness that we have We need to say, Lord, help me use this with people as I share the gospel with them to open them up to the reality that you exist because you let people know that you you are the one true God who declares the end from the beginning. What an opportunity we have to use prophecies. It's amazing. Uh, Remember, I mentioned a verse last week. Who has seen anything as strange as this? Right? Right? and it's Isaiah 66 8. Who has seen anything as strange as this? Who has ever heard of such a thing? What's he talking about? What's God saying that's the strangest thing that people could think about on earth, you know? And he says that a nation would be born in a single day, that a country would come forth in a mere moment. And then he goes on to talk about that he will supernaturally do it. He will, he, he will birth the nation of Israel again. And he did it, amen? And it's never happened before with any na- other nation that ceased to be a nation for you know, almost 2,000 years and became a country again. And more than 2,000 years, when you look at the first time they were dispersed, it's mind-boggling. But this same God says, now think of that. I mean, what if I told you, and I, I mentioned, I alluded to this, but I just took, I said, say, I said about Canada. I said, you guys, it's be a trip, but Canada, man, it's going to cease to be a nation for, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And they're going to be going to 70 different nations all around the world. But then they're going to become a nation again. And, and by the way, and I think, and I alluded to this, but I didn't really emphasize it enough last Sunday. It says this, and if I, I don't remember if I did allude to it, but I, I know I didn't get into it with any depth. It says that after Israel, right after he says, you know, you know after the strange thing happens, he says right after that, he says, uh, when Israel is in labor pains... Then she will bring forth her children. Her children will come forth. And it's interesting. Labor pains, from what I understand, are the most intense pains you can pretty much feel as a human being. That's incredible. In fact, they say that they've given men labor pains. I guess you can't do it exactly the same. I hope not, you know. But, uh, and that men tap out real quick, way before the women do. Now men would say, that's not because we can't handle as much pain. It's because we don't feel the pain like you guys do. Make whatever excuses you want. But, you know, hooray for the women, man. <laughs> uh, women are awesome, man. And, I mean, you look at when they came from back east here and stuff, women can be so courageous. And, 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 but what's a trip is it says through this incredible pain that they should be reborn. And I mentioned, this is what I did mention to you last week, is it was through the Holocaust. If the Holocaust did not take place, you would not see Israel right now. At least not the way you see it. Because the nations do not like Israel, by and large. I've told you before, there's not only more resolutions made against Israel by the United Nations than any other nations, there's more resolutions made against Israel than all the nations of the earth put together. That is a blow mine, like from 2015 to 2022. Even prior to that, there was long periods of time where they had more resolutions against them than anybody else. So what in the world, where does the world change its attitude for a split second? After World War II, man. 181, Resolution 181, became a nation again. This is a crazy thing. And then what if I said all that would happen to Canada, it happened. But then I said, in the same nation that all the nations said, okay, or many of the nations said, let's make them a na- help them become a nation again. And by the way, <laughs> keep in mind, it says in Isaiah that God will use the Gentiles, the nations, to bring them back into the land. You know? Travis was uh, sharing with me that he was having a talk with a, a, f- a friend he's witnessing to, and he's, sh- he's using these prophecies to witness to his friends. I'm like, praise God, that's what we need to be doing. But one of his friends was making the point, well, that was, you know, the, you know, they had help from the different countries and so forth, World War II and all that, and something like that, right, Travis? And I'm like, amen. That's exactly what the scripture would say. They'd have great anguish, like being birth pains, right? And then the nations would bring, help them come back to become a nation. You can't make this stuff up. So what if I said that about Canada? I'd be wrong. You said that about, we have about 200 nations. If you say about any nation, it's going to be wrong. Those things didn't happen with any other nation. But then, what if I told you? But then Canada. Guess what? All the nations are going to start having a world hatred against Canada. Not many decades after that, that would be like ridiculous because they just helped them become a nation. Well, that's what's happened with Israel right now. In fact, you got to be so careful with the mainstream. I mean, the mainstream media, you know, because remember that that hospital just—they said that over 500 people were killed, right? Hamas reported right away that Israelis, you know, bombed it. Like they would know that right away, right? And uh, now, they have, now they have communication from Hamas talking about it was one of our own, you know. It was the Islamic Jihadist, which is another, which is also backed by Iran, by the way, funded and trained by Iran just as Hamas is, who runs Gaza Strip, who wants the annihilation of Israel. Right after Hamas started saying Israel did this. Now, what was I telling you? Do you remember when I said to you Sunday? I told you Sunday that more and more hatred around the world is going to be taking place toward Israel. Right now, a lot of people are sympathetic because of the Hamas' massacre of all these people, right? 1,300 people dead in Israel, kids decapitated, women gutted and their kids murdered in their wombs. And I said, but that's going to, what's going to happen in time is more and more people are going to start becoming they're going to start seeing the aftermath of Israel trying to take out Hamas so they can protect themselves and the world's going to change in their attitude more and more become more and more angry and hateful at Israel because how is that prophetic? Does it mean the end's tomorrow? No, Jesus says when you see these wars and rumors of wars and these things taking place the end is not yet. There's still has to be the abomination of desolation, the antichrist sits in the temple, the temple's not even rebuilt. But how does this move the ball forward prophetically? Because scripturally speaking, there's a hatred toward Christians that will grow, and there's a hatred toward Jews that will grow throughout the world. And right now, uh, there's already been a lot of hatred toward the Jews regarding Hamas, and they're called a, you know, they'd be called an occupier before they allowed the Gaza Strip to, to govern themselves. And the Gaza Strip voted in Hamas to be their rulers, and their rulers want to destroy Israel. I think that's pretty clear. Now, this is what's crazy, guys, is... What does Israel do in this situation? Do they just stamp pat and don't do anything except try to go after some of Hamas? Didn't, it's never really worked. Hamas just grows and advances the ball further. If they go in, they're going to try to root out Hamas. If they go into Hamas, I've already been thinking there's going to be things that happen that, are, that since they've been planning this a long time, that they're going to make it look like Israel had done it and so forth. Well, it just so happened, right after they did this, not long after this, uh, Israel released, I don't know if you've heard it, but the Hamas uh, you know, talking about what happened. It was one of our own, you know. I, I, I've heard the tapes, you know. And I'm, I'm assuming they're translated correctly. It was, you know. And then at the same time, there's also film. Have you anybody seen the film? They're shooting their own rockets right by this hospital. And one apparently nails the hospital. Last thing the Jews want to do is hit a hospital right now. Do you understand that? That would be the stupidest thing in the world because they're concerned about world opinion because they did have to deal with the Holocaust, you know. They have to deal with anti-Semitism and they're dealing with those things. So this is what's crazy when you think about it is, by the way, the mainstream media started reporting, look what Israel's done. Israel's done this. Israel bombed their hospital. They killed all these innocent people at this hospital. CNN, okay. New York Times, uh, Washington Post, Associated Press, uh, Politico, all these, you know, mainstream, pretty much leftist uh, news, they, they said, look what Israel's done. Without having a precedence of Israel ever doing that before, right, they just jump on that bandwagon right away. I don't think that's an accident. And when you have the mainstream media so often against Jews and Israel, you need to rethink your paradigm. Now, well, what about Israel being in unbelief, not knowing Jesus and so forth? So some will say, well, the Jews came back in the land, but if it was from God, how come they're not saved? How come they're not believers? How come a lot of them don't know Jesus? How come a lot of them are Buddhists and New Agers and atheists and occultists and so forth? And that doesn't shock me because I say that's exactly what God's Word says. He says he'd bring them back into the land when they were in a state of unbelief, before they were convert- converted to the Lord. I can prove that from Scripture. So this is what I want to say. One of the things that happens, you gotta be very, very careful of this, and I've seen this for decades now. Even people that believe prophecy is still yet to be fulfilled, they're not preterists, they're not post mills, they're not kingdom now people, they're not kingdom dominionists, they're not seven mountain mandate people. A lot of those folks are done with Israel, and they're just ignoring the scripture because they want to rule the earth. Kind of like Constantine wanted to rule the earth and he used Christianity to do it. Some of these guys are just power hungry. We want to rule as Christians. And they have over-realized eschatology thinking that we're going to rule before Christ comes back. A lot of post mills say, hey, we're going to rule the earth and we're going to, uh, you know, save the, you know, the, everything's going to be, everybody's going to believe in God pretty much and, and we're going to give, then Christ can come back and we're going to give him a, a world that we've basically Christianized with a nice bow as a present. That's not what the Bible teaches. Read Revelation 19. Read Christ's coming at the, at the last trumpet, seventh trumpet, Revelation 11. The kingdom of this world were raging, it says, and the kingdom of this world became the kingdom of Christ, and he's taken his great power and ra- begun to reign, and his great wrath has come, and he destroys the nations uh, because they were destroying the earth and so forth, and then he rewards the saints at the same time. All over the scripture, it's Christ. He's the Savior of our, from our, of, of our souls from our sins, amen? But he's also the one that comes back and establishes his kingdom on earth. Amen? We are not the saviors. We are not Jesus. So, but a lot of people that will say, yeah, I believe in the revelation. I believe in the prophecies that are coming and so forth. A lot of them say, oh, yeah, but that's not Israel in Israel. I mean, they're not following God. I mean, a lot of those are bad guys and so forth. And I say, wait a minute. Of course, people that don't know Christ are far from perfect. Although, you have to admit, the Israel has, definitely has not been right with God, needing Jesus still. They still have the moral high ground over Hamas by a long shot. Amen? Hamas uh, hides their weapons and their 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 missiles behind kids and people in hospitals and, and, and uh, schools. Where, where the Israelis put shields, they put they put their weapons, their missiles in front of them to protect their citizens. It's just opposite. Now, uh, but this is the point: is I want to share certain prophecies with you that I believe make it real clear. And I'm going to move a little bit fast, but I don't don't worry. I'm still on page one, but guess what? I really have just three pages. So we're good, okay? But we're going to have to make a little journey. And I want to give you some real clear scriptures that God is not done with Israel. And what's happening in Israel right now, being in the land again in a state of unbelief. And by the way, there are 100 or plus Messianic congregations, Jews that love Jesus, you know, uh, in Israel. In fact, I see a dear sister of mine right here is a Jewish believer from Israel who knows a lot of Jewish believers, is part of a Jewish congregation there for years, amen? And Ted Walker and Linda, who are probably watching right now or will be watching, uh, I've spoken at several different Jewish congregations through the years. Uh, several, I mean like f- five of them or six or so through the years. And, and they, there's a lot of people, Jews, that love Jesus. So also keep in mind there's a remnant there, amen? There's more than just Lot and his family there, okay? So, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of Jews that need to come to know Jesus, but that's part of God's plan. So I want you to look now at some different scriptures with me, and I want you to look first of all at Matthew chapter 23. And these are scriptures that are pretty easy to understand, by the way. So we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on any one passage. So I can hit a few different passages that make it real clear that God's not done with Israel. Matthew chapter 23. And I think all the scriptures I shared last Sunday, where they become a nation again, right? Makes it very clear that God is not done with Israel. But in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is rejecting the Jewish leaders. The Pharisees and the scribes and so forth, uh, and yeah, at that time these guys were rejecting Christ. Not all of them. Joseph, you know, of Arimathea came to Christ, right? Uh, many of the Jewish priests will even believe in Acts chapter three. But at this time, many of them are rejecting him, and and they have they're religious. They're not submitted to God, and Jesus talks about how judgment will come upon them. And this is before seventy A.D. Jesus gets crucified around thirty three A.D. and in less than forty years. The Romans will come in, and there'll be the diaspora throughout all the nations. Jesus says it's coming. But look what he says, and I think it's very important that you don't miss this. Look at chapter 23, verse 30. Oh, let's go to chapter 23, verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he says who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were what? Unwilling. Unwilling. Behold, your house is what? Being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me. Does he say you'll not see me ever again? I'm done with you, Israel? Is that what he says? Absolutely not. He says, I say to you, you will not see me again until when? Until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen? So you're not gonna see me again. You gotta say, period, explanation point, it's over for you guys. He says, You're not gonna see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and they're gonna have to have a change of heart. Amen? And they're not gonna have a change of heart for some time. Collectively, I'm speaking as a nation. Many Jews have come to Christ through the years, by the way. But he's talking about the nation. He's talking to the nation here that's rejected him. That the nation is not going to see him again until they say. He says they say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Then he goes on. They, the disciples, when's this going to happen, and so forth. And he talks about first what's going to happen is, you know, not one stone is be left on this temple, you know. And then he says, gonna be dispersed throughout all the nations." And then prophetically he teaches throughout, not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament, that they'd become a nation again. And God's going to bring them to the point where the Jews who are rejecting him right now, the nation, will be, their, their knees will be bent. They'll be going through a whole lot of stuff where they're not able to rely on their ingenuity. They're not allowed, going to be able to rely on the United States of America because it says every nation and people in tongue at Armageddon, which includes this nation, it's what it says, Revelation uh, chapter 16. All the nations, the spirits of demons, will come from the Antichrist, from the false prophet, and from Satan and go to the kings of the earth and gather them together for the great, great battle of God, the great battle of Armageddon. So they're going to not be able to rely on anybody except who? Yahweh! That's the only way they can be saved. And they're, it's like when their backs are up to the Red Sea, they have to cry out to God, and they're going to cry out. And... And pretty heavy. This is pretty powerful. As you follow this trajectory, what's going to happen? So it's really interesting. In fact, go to Jeremiah chapter thirty-one. Jeremiah chapter thirty-one. Now I think it's fascinating that when you go to Jeremiah. By the way, did, was anybody up during the daytime today? Yeah. You were. Did you? Did anybody see the sun today? Yeah. Did anybody see the moon at all? Is the moon out right now? Anybody see stars lately? That's one reason I know that God's not done with Israel. Genesis chapter, or I'm sorry, Genesis, Jeremiah chapter 31. What's that, bro? Have to pass away. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Je- uh, Jeremiah 31. Verse. Uh, let's pick it up at verse 34. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. And he's talking about Israel. He's going to give them a new covenant, right? And he says, I forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Look at verse 35. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If, if, if. If this fixed order departs from me, from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also will cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off all the offspring of Israel for all they have done, declares the Lord. Because he knows people say, look at all they've done. You know, they've rejected you. He goes, guess what? I still have a plan for them, you know? You know, they've only discovered like 10% of our ocean or so. I don't even know what the percentage is. And who knows when they say, we've discovered only this. Well, if you've, how can you even put a percent of the ocean that you've discovered when you haven't discovered it yet? You don't even know the depths of it ultimately, amen? Or space, you know? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you figure that out, you know? So it's interesting. The sun, the moon, the stars, it's all there, guys. Is he done with Israel? He says, only if that departs will I be done, I'd be done with them. You guys... Thus saith the word of God, don't you dare say God is done with Israel as a nation. You're contradicting the word of God. You're not contradicting me. Contradicting Scripture. Okay, they won't see him again until they say, "Blessed are you, come to the the Lord." Now I want you to go to uh, Ezekiel chapter thirty-six, Ezekiel chapter thirty-six, verse twenty-two. And now this is important because a lot of people say, oh, when Israel comes back to the land, this really isn't Israel even. Because when they come back to the land, they'll all be believers. They'll be believers first, and then they'll come back to the land. I have no doubt that when Christ comes back, there'll be believers, Jews, that'll be brought to the land. But guess what? The scriptures are real clear. When he first brings them into the land, which has already begun, it's been happening for some many years now, many, many, many years, not just 1948, by the way. That was the big one where they declared a nation by the nations. Uh, he says he'd bring them back in a state of unbelief first. Okay? Look at chapter 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my what? Holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. So he's, not, he's, he's making it real clear. So he say, oh, how come Jews have done this and, and Jews have done that? And I can say that about any people group, by the way, okay? Uh, but what it is he says that his name will be profaned by his own people, okay? In fact, everybody here is a sinner before they come to Christ. And the Jews that don't know the Messiah, of course, are going to profane his name because there's none righteous, no, not one. That's Paul's point in the book of Romans that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So people are going to say, hey, and that's why he says I'm not doing it for their sake because they're righteous, but for my own sake, He's keeping his promises he made to Abraham. He made to Isaac. He made to Jacob, amen, So he says uh, in verse 23, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. So that's, this is what I do. I use this passage with my dad. I go, Dad, you're saying the Jews are the nations and nobody wants them and, and, they have no, it, and that's how can they get driven out of different places? Uh, first I go and say, not all Jews are like that. You're, you're stereotyping. But then I say, hey, but you know what? That's exactly what God's words would say. If they wouldn't have a place to lay their foot and they'd be persecuted by people who didn't understand the big picture and that God is a holy God, that he's a good God and he still cares about the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And I say, you having a hard time with him. You're actually fulfilling scripture. Well, I'd read this passage to him. Then the nations will know that i am the lord declares the lord god when i prove myself holy among you in their might, in their sight verse 24 for i will take you from the nations they've been taken from 70 different nations guys i will take you from the nations gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land then i will now he's going to bring their own land then what happens after that sometime then then after they're back in the land it's only after they're there for some time then i will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean i will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols moreover i will i will i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe all my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. uh, So you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call uh, for the grain and multiply it. I will uh, not bring famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and not bring famine on you. uh, I'm sorry, multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will not receive again the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways. Then you remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Isn't that interesting? It's after he brings them back to land. It's after he starts blessing them, right? And making their, their country beautiful again. And if you look at Israel, it's unlike any other nation in the Middle East. You look at aerial maps of, of the Middle East, it's just desert. Until you look at Israel, it's green. It's a trip, you guys. I've been there several times, you know. You can just go to Google Maps and you just look at it. It's like, wow, what's happened here? But it's after he beautifies it. He brings them back, right? Then he says he's gonna, he's gonna, they're going to be born again eventually, but then he gives us a little bit of the timeline. First, I'm going to beautify the country. And then you're going to see what I've done for you. Then you're going to hate what you've done to me. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to want to come to Christ or come to, come to the Lord. And then he says, uh, verse, yeah, verse 31, then you will remember your evil ways. Then, then, then. That's after back in the land, after it's replenished. After. And by the way, when they came back land initially, it wasn't, did become beautiful overnight? It was a bunch of marshlands, a bunch of, a bunch of you know, wastelands, a bunch of swamps. Malaria was everywhere. It was very dangerous to live there. Hardly anybody did live there. A lot of the Arabs came after they made it beautiful. Okay, isn't that interesting? Not that there weren't some there already. There are Jews and Arabs there prior to 1948. But it says, then you will remember your evil ways and the deeds uh, that you were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight, for your iniquities and your abominations. I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confronted for your ways, O house of Israel. Now, this is really powerful because a lot of times when you talk to people and they're anti-Semitic, it's they pick something, some, a Jewish guy or Jewish gal or Jewish organization or somebody has done. And a lot of times it's propaganda. A lot of times it's stuff that's, that's overblown. And sometimes are there certain Jewish people in high places that have done nefarious things? Yeah, are there certain Irish people in high places that've done nefarious things? Yeah, there's certain German people. Uh, let me think. Hitler. Mm, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So Russians. I'm um, Stalin. Mm, yeah, Lenin. Mm, we can keep them. Mao, Chinese. Yeah, it's everywhere, guys. You could always you could do that with any people group. Okay. The difference is, is God has had a plan for to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it was through him that the Messiah would come, them, that and all the nations would be blessed through God's plan. Amen. But God's not done with his promises he made to Israel. It's imperative that we see that. In fact, it's interesting. When you go to chapter 37, you have the Valley of Dry Bones, which we talked about Sunday, so I'm not going to get into that again. Then you go to Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 37. That's the Valley of Dry Bones and so forth. And uh, If you go to 15 through 22 of Ezekiel, and I'm talking about 37 right now. Is this a relevant topic today? No. (laughs) Very relevant. Chapter 37, verse 15, which we didn't look at last time. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, and this is after he says he'll bring them back in the land, right? And you, son of man, take for yourself one stick and write on it for Judah and for the sons of Israel, his companions, and take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel, his companions, you know, when I first was studied, had to really study this passage, a Mormon told me, he was trying to convert me to Mormonism. Actually, it was an ex-girlfriend. And she's like, there's a stick of Joseph and there's a stick of Judah. When's the Bible? The stick of Judah is the Bible. And the stick of Joseph, that's Joseph Smith. That's the Book of Mormon. And the two go together and you have, this is the true religion. And I was like, let me look at this more closely, because what do you do? You first see that, and you're like, I don't really study this. I'm like, wait a minute, man. The stick of Judah, that's for the sons of Israel, it says in verse 16, right? The stick of Joseph, that's the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel, his companions. That's the northern kingdom. Remember, it was a divided kingdom for so long. <laughs> and then you just keep reading. Context is king, guys. Context, context, context. Look at verse 17. Then join them for yourself, one to another, into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. When the sons of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not declare to us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord. Now he spells it out. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the uh, hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his companions, the northern tribes, and I will put them with it. With the stick of who? Judah. That's the southern kingdom, right? And make them what? One stick, and they will be one in my hand. Verse 20, the sticks on which you write will all be uh, in your hand before their eyes. He's going to make them what? One nation in the land. By the way, guess what Israel is today? I mean, even before, this started coming to pass even before 1948. I mean, Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, remember Simeon and Anna, they want to see Jesus, they want to see the baby Messiah. One of them is from Asher, you know. Uh, many are from Judah. You just go through the New Testament. And now you have different people. Now you have people from all over the place, from seven different nations, you know. Oh, but those aren't the real Jews. Really? So they just happen to have names like Cohen, which is a Hebrew name for priest. They happen to be circumcising themselves for thousands of years. They happen to be keeping the fat Passovers and the different holidays, and, but they're not really Jews. Well, who are the real Jews then? Oh, it's the white people. That is just so wicked, man. Oh, we're the Jewish people. That is so arrogant, you're not back in the land, you know? You're not back in the land. Or it's the Hebrew Israelites, or it's uh, or the, the, the uh, you know, the nation, you know, I don't want to go too in the weeds, but all kinds of people want to claim to be the Jews because everybody wants those promises. But you know where the word promises are? They're in Jesus as a Messiah, amen? And when Jews come to Jesus Messiah, they find their, their Messiah. Salvation to the Jew first, then to the Gentile, the Greek, amen? He's, he's all of our Messiah. So it's important that we get this. And then go now to... Uh, Chapter 30, Hmm. let's go to chapter 38, verse 14. Therefore prophesy my son, this is about Gog and Magog, the coming Antichrist system. This is definitely the Antichrist system because Gog and Magog who come from the far north, due north from Israel, by the way, and I'm not saying who the Antichrist is. I believe these are players, though, for sure. Uh, Due north to Israel is if you just take a a, a, and you draw right to uh, Russia. And I don't have time, I just, I taught on Gog and Magog a few years ago, you know, Uh, and maybe, and we'll do a little bit more on this maybe Sunday, but I do want to say this, that Gog and Magog has all of these satellite nations with her, all these other nations, and today those that are listed in this chapter, most of them are Muslim nations, okay? And uh, I'm tempted to get into stuff I want to say Sunday, but I'm, I'm not going to. So verse 14 says, therefore prophesy, son of man, and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on the day when my people Israel are living securely, will you not know it? So Israel is now in their land. They're going to come back become a nation again. Amen? And they're not going to be ten tribes of the north and then Judah and then Benjamin. It's going to be all one now. And that's happened. And when that happens, because we're I'm, I'm going in order. We went through 36 and 37. Now we're in 38. Uh, verse 15. You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the earth, north. <laughs> And it's interesting what Putin and Russia is doing in, in Ukraine and so forth. And by the way, who are their allies in the Middle East? Iran, Syria, right? Yemen, Hamas. Uh, Iraq is now occupied largely by Iran. That all plays into Daniel, by the way. It's crazy. I've been saying this for years. And you know what? 25 years ago, when I was saying it's not the Europe, it's not the European nations. It could be I could be totally wrong. But when I'm looking at the, the Roman Empire, you know, the part that continued to exist for all those times was not the West. It was the East, right, for a thousand years, and the Ottoman Empire and everything else, and uh, came after that. And then, man, and now guess what? It's the East again. And by the way, the East part of the Roman Empire was the Middle East and so forth. They were reigning for a long time, and the West kind of disappeared. And they kind of disappeared a little bit. But now, guess what? 60% of the Roman Empire is Muslim right now. Now they're pushing up into the West, into Europe. Really crazy what's going on. And when you look at the nations that are in play, but you do have the far north, which very likely is uh, Russia, when you look at the people that are identified in the far north at that time as well. But it's interesting. He says right here, when his people are securely in the land, which is where they're at now, verse 15, you will come from your... uh, place out of the remote parts of the north and you will and you and many peoples with you all them riding the horses and a great assembly and a mighty army okay this is using the, the 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 language of the day right and you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land and it will come about in the when in the when in the what days the last days that I will bring you against my land and that the, nations, that the nations may know when I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O God. I Meaning guess what? I'm going to kick your rear end and show them who's really boss. That I'm the king of the universe. That, I'm, that, that I've reestablished Israel. That I'm going to protect my people. Now this is what's crazy. God is not done with Israel. Because she goes back into the land securely. And you know how I know this is the end? Just if you continue to read 38 and 39, all the way into 40, you'll see that there's just total destruction of the wicked who come against her. Uh, many people are destroyed. And then God establishes peace in Israel forever and ever. That hasn't happened yet. Amen? So this is, this is the end. Now, uh, go please, quickly, if you can, to Genesis chapter 37. This is more proof that God's not done with Israel. In fact, what should... Yes, Genesis 37. In fact, what should we see with Israel? We should see that they'd reject the Messiah, who believed our report, the report, we thought he was smitten by God. They rejected him, Isaiah 53. Real time, future, boom, they reject the Messiah. We should see, according to Jesus and the prophets, they'd be dispersed throughout all the nations. Did that happen? Check, it did. Then we would see them come back and become a nation again. Did that happen? Yep. And it wouldn't just be a nation again. They would be one people, right? It wouldn't be 10 tribes. They wouldn't reestablish their old borders. Did that happen? Check. Did, nation, did God use nations to bring them back to become a people? Yep, that happened. Check. Are the nations becoming more and more hostile around them? Check. <laughs> is the north in play right now? And are they somehow connected to a lot of the nations that hate Israel? Yeah. Check. Now, this could all be a huge coincidence. But man, I got some swamp land to sell you. In ancient Israel, it doesn't even exist anymore. No. You guys, now how it all plays out. You know, I, I ask for mercy because I'm not saying this is exactly how it's going to play out. Because prophecies, you know, real clear to see. In hindsight, right? Right now, we're looking at the players. So I want to be careful because if I don't ever want to be. Joe said this is going to happen exactly this way. No, I'm saying Iran and Syria and these players, when you look at Babylon and the, and the image that's given of Nebuchadnezzar, the prophetic picture of the different nations in play, it's really crazy how they line up. And we're going to be talking about that Sunday. I can't wait. I want to preach that right now, but I got to wait. You know, uh, it's just crazy. We've talked about it before a little bit, but we'll get into more, more detail. I'll use some show you some maps and, and different things that will make it a little clearer for you. But it's interesting. When you go to Genesis 37, where did the 12 tribes of Israel come from? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They were Jacob's what? Sons made up the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Joseph is the last son born before, you know, another little guy, right? Benjamin. Benjamin. And uh, Benjamin is not there when he gets rejected at first. and he wants to see little Benjamin. It's a really pretty cool story. Uh, Joseph has got the coat of many colors. He stands out. Who does he think he is? His dad's promised him something. His dad doesn't really know what's going on. That is Jacob. But he represents one of the 12 tribes, right? So what do you have, guys? He gets a, (laughs) there's a dream he starts sharing with his brothers. And they really didn't like that dream. And his dad didn't even like the dream. Because what did it make it sound like? That they're all going to what? Bow down to him, right? I mean, can you imagine your your little brother saying, hey, I had a dream you're all going to bow down to me. Lick my boots, you know? You'd be like, what? You know, he didn't say lick my boots, but you know what I'm saying? They're feeling like... So if you look at Genesis 37, and you look at verse 5, Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. You guys... Keep in mind, he's a picture of Jesus, which we don't have time to develop here. He's rejected by his brothers, and guess what they did with Joseph? They hated him. Jesus would be hated. But look what happened by his own brethren. In fact, it says, he quotes the scripture. He says, you know, it's written, you'd hate me without a cause. He said to them, please listen to this dream, which I have had. For behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. But behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more and for, this, for his dreams and for his words. And, and I think it's crazy because look at this, it gets even crazier, you know. Now he had still another dream and related to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. Now, isn't this interesting? He uses the imagery of the sun, moon, and stars. Sounds a lot like Jeremiah. That if they cease to be, my nation will cease to be. I think that's powerful because God is saying, Hey, they're a picture of my people. In Jeremiah, as he is saying here, but the sun and the moon and the stars, they're bowing down to me. He related it to his father and his, and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you've had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? Well, guess what? He's rejected by his brothers. They hate him, right? They throw him in a pit. They hand him over to the Gentiles. Jesus was thrown in the pit. Go to Caiaphas' courtyard, which we do when we, in 2025. If there's no war, then and we can go. And Lord allows it. We'll go to Israel as a church. And we'll go to Caiaphas' courtyard, and we'll go into the dungeon where the prisoners kept overnight, which is likely where Jesus stayed overnight. Joseph was thrown there. Then, Joseph, then Joseph's brothers sold him to the Gentiles. What, what did the Jews do? What, what did uh, Joseph's brothers do? They sold the many nights. What happened to Jesus? He was given to the Gentiles by the Jewish people. Amen? Oh, But Judas was betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, guess who betrays him here? A guy named Judah, which is the same name, Judas. Judas is just more of a Greek rendering of Judah. And he gets rejected, and the story goes on, on and on and on. It's all, he's all a picture of Jesus. And I, I don't have time to develop that because I get to other passages, but I can say this. They rejected Joseph. They're hating him. They are the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Their descendants will hate Jesus, right? Guys, was Joseph all done with them, his brothers? Was he saying, I'm rejecting you forever. I'm done with you. I'm turning just to the Gentiles. The opposite. In fact, guess what? Go to chapter 42, verse 6. And you see this dream being fulfilled in chapter 42, verse 6. Now, Joseph was a ruler over the land because now he's ruling Egypt. He's at the right hand of Pharaoh, just as Jesus sent at the right hand of the Father. He's giving bread to the entire world, just as Jesus gives us the bread of life. And now all these Gentiles are eating bread. And guess what? Today, Gentiles all over the world, because of this descendant from Abraham. Amen. All the nations being blessed are partaking of communion, partaking of Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus, and we're saved through his death on the cross. Amen. So we read in chapter 42, verse uh, 6. Now, Joseph was a ruler over the land, and he was uh, one who sold all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and what? Bowed Bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he disguised himself and spoke to them harshly. uh, And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. Now, he goes through this rigmarole because he's trying to show the reality that to see how real they are. To see that they're really sorry for their sin, would you would you do the same thing to Benjamin that you did to me? It's a long story. He sees their true repentance. He goes aside, he weeps and bawls when he reveals himself. Then he reveals himself to them. Okay, now it's amazing because guess what? Go to Revelation chapter twelve now. Revelation chapter twelve, and now we know what Israel looks like. What do the twelve tribes look like? 12 stars, sun, the moon. That's, that's a picture of Israel, right? And they'll bow before Joseph. Eventually, they'll bow before Jesus. In Revelation chapter 12, look at this. A great sign appeared in the heavens. A woman clothed what? With what? The sun and the moon under her feet and on her head was a crown of what? 12 stars. You compare Scripture with Scripture. There's more allusions in the book of Revelation to the Old Testament than any other book in the New Testament by far and away. He's seen a woman, 12 stars, God calls Israel a woman. He calls him his, w- his wife at times and so forth. And you see this woman, verse 2, And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pains to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. That's the beast, That's Satan and the beast empire in the very end of time during the tribulation period. And on his heads, his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who, gave, who, who, who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her, her child. And she gave birth to a son. What came out of Israel? Who came out of Israel? What son came out of Israel? Who? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Okay? He'd be the seed of the woman. Okay? And he, not just Eve, but now he comes out of the woman, the 12 stars, the son of the moon. That's Israel. The Messiah comes through Israel. It's clear as day. And she gave birth to a son and the male child and who was to rule all the nations, it's definitely Jesus, with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to the God and to his throne. How did Satan try to kill the son, the seed? Remember Herod tried to kill every kid that was a couple years old or so? Right? Look at verse 6. Then the woman, what? Wait, who's the woman now? Who's the woman? Israel. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that, that, that she uh, would be nourished for 1,200 I'm sorry, and 60 days. How long is that? Three and a half years. What's that? That's half, the second half of what? The Great tribulation period. Who's being protected by God in the wilderness for three and a half years? The woman. Who is the woman? Israel. How is God protecting Israel if he's done with Israel? It makes no sense if you're reading the scripture and accepting it for what it says is god is not done with israel thus saith the scripture that's why i went to genesis 37 genesis 42 this is a picture of israel show me a better picture that this lines up it doesn't line up with anybody but israel and the woman gives birth to the son but then he jumps forward to the future and shows where she'll be protected by god in the wilderness for 1260 days and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, this will be during the middle of the tribulation period, and the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the story of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He he accuses them before our God day and night. And they, were over, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the, because of the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even when faced with death. Verse 12. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, uh, and you who dwell in, in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you having great wrath knowing that he has only a short time. And, the, and then check out what happens in verse 13. When the dragon saw that, the, uh, that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman. And gave birth to who gave birth to the male child? That's Israel. So he persecutes Israel during the tribulation period. Then look at verse fourteen. Then two wings of a great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times. That's one year. And then times is two years plus the one that's three and a half time. That's three and a half years again from the presence of the serpent. Verse fifteen. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. Now, brothers and sisters, who's Satan trying to destroy in the end times? Israel. Israel. Do you think Hamas or God just love Jesus, just love God, and want to do what's right? No, they're trying to destroy Israel, man. They're being financed and trained by Iran who wants to get nukes, who would love to... In fact, the foreign minister of Iran just said today that Israel's time is almost up, you know. Never nope, it'll never happen. Unless the sun and the moon and the stars depart, but then we won't even be able to think about it, because we'll be gone too. Yep. And then verse 17, so the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to... You see, you see people enraged right now toward Israel? Woo! It's prophetic, you guys. And this is just pushing the ball forward. And so the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the what? Commandments of God and hold to the testimony of who? Jesus, that's us. Okay. He hates us too. In fact, Muslims say that when uh, their their imam begins to reign, they'll destroy the Jews and the rocks will cry out, saying, the trees, come behind me, O Muslim, there's a Jew hiding, kill him. And they'll also destroy the people of the cross. That's us. Okay. You're going to trip out Sunday because a lot of things in Revelation that talk about the end times looks very, 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 very Islamic. They behead people. Those who don't take the mark of the beast will be beheaded. They give out gifts when they kill certain people with terrorist attacks. The two witnesses will be killed. It says they'll give gifts to each other. I don't know anybody else does that. It's just kind of weird. Well, guess what? uh in Revelation 14, we don't have time. Revelation 7, we don't have time to go there. But there's 144,000 sealed, 12,000 from each what right. tribe of Israel, so they don't partake of the trumpet judgments that fall upon the earth. They're protected at that time. Revelation, yeah. Where are they? How come there's 140,000, You know, and they're mentioned again in Revelation chapter 14. And then you go to Revelation chapter 21 and you see the foundation stones of New Jerusalem, and it's not only the 12 apostles, but there's also 12 foundation stones. And guess what? It's the 12 tribes of Israel. In the eternal state, man, Israel's still there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen? Romans 11. Man, I wish I had time to get into it. I'm looking at the clock right now, and I'm, and I'm about done. But I'll just say this. I want to go through two other passages, and I'll just say this. In Romans 11, it says that the Jews that have rejected Messiah, it says they are enemies for the gospel's sake. Yeah, they've set themselves against the gospel. They're blinded right now. The Bible says there's a veil over them. They don't see. But like, remember Saul of Tarsus? He was the enemy of the gospel. But guess what he became? The beloved Apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament. Awesome man of God. Many of the Jews that you say, oh, well, they're anti-God. They're, guess what? They're potential Pauls. Do you understand that? And you once were blind. I was very anti-Christ before I came to Christ. So you've got to look at everybody as potentially being saved and pray for them. Amen? And he says they are enemies for the gospel's sake, but he guess what? He said they're beloved for the, for the sake of the fathers, meaning God made promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? He goes on to say, Paul says, I want to make them jealous, and the Gentiles should be making them jealous so they come to Christ. And then he says, you were broken off because of your unbelief, or they were broken off because of their unbelief, but you are grafted in through faith. But if you don't continue in faith, you could be broken off. If they don't continue in their unbelief, they could be grafted back in. They haven't been reprobated for all eternity. They could still be saved. And guess what he goes on to say, right? When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, that's the last Gentile gets saved, then the deliverer will come from Zion and all Israel will be saved, amen? Because why? Because they will be broken during the tribulation period. They won't be able to call in the United States for help or anybody else. They'll be saying, God save us and then God will show up. Zechariah 12, all the nations will surround them. And it says, they'll cry out to God. And it says, he'll deliver them, he'll save them. And it'll say all of us, it says right there very clearly, that they'll see him whom they pierced. That's in the Old Testament, Zechariah 12. And they'll be saved. That's the plan, guys. Amen. The things, It's weird. If you're a predator, this must all trip you must trip you out when you see this. Oh, it can't be happening. But man, if you know the truth and you're in the scriptures and you're a Christian that follows the word, guess what you're gonna say? Yes, and amen. Wow, praise God. Okay, you know what? I'm out of my grace period in one minute. So don't stop. Okay. Come up and have a private talk with you because i got to stop for these guys' sake because they might have kids to pick up and all that. I love you. But praise God. Sunday, right? Okay. Father God, we thank you so much for your great goodness. We pray, Father, that we would love Israel, Father, the nation and realize that, th- that, that, that that's your treasured people even though it's not for their sake but for your glory's sake and your mercy's sake. But we praise you, Father, that you save Jews and Gentiles and that you take people like Paul who said he was, he, he was a blasphemer yet with ignorance. And you you turn him from the terrorist Saul into the Apostle Paul. And we pray that you do that also with Muslims. And we praise you that many Muslims are turning against Islam, away from Islam to Christ. We pray that you save people out of every nation. But we pray, Father, in your son's name, that we would not be deceived on this issue because there's a lot of deception right now in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.